more fully. Now this week we're going to focus on verses 4 and 5, which in part say this. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, think back to verse 1 from last week for a second. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. So verse 4 to me is the ultimate evidence of verse 1. When we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, that's the ultimate evidence that we lack nothing. And the inverse is true too, right? If we, if we fear anything, we cannot say that we lack nothing. So my hope for today is for us to just believe a little bit more fully that we can walk through the darkest valleys and fear no evil. Why? Because He is with us. The reality is that we will never be in a completely dark valley if the Lord is our shepherd. I mean, think about the darkest valley. I mean, literally, right? Think about the darkest valley you could possibly encounter. I mean, you probably think about not being able to see your hand in front of your face, don't you? But the reality, if the Lord is our shepherd and our shepherd is the light of the world, then we will never be in a completely dark valley. We will always have the light that shines in the darkness from our shepherd guiding our way. And that's so important for us to realize that we will never be in the darkest valley. John 8, 12 says this. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, that's where the focus has got to be, right? It's not on the darkest valley, it's on that next part, the for you are with me. So we fix our eyes on the light whenever we're saying for you are with me. That's exactly what we're doing, isn't it? We're, we're fixing our eyes on the light that's leading our way. The light from the shepherd guides us in the darkest valleys. And that's why David, who just walks up on the scene with all these Israelites just devastated, right? Look at this Philistine, man. He's just too big. There's nothing we can do. It was completely dark to them, wasn't it? But for David, there was always hope because he knew his shepherd. The Lord is his shepherd. So there was hope in the midst of it. And he says, this, this Philistine, look, I mean, he, you know, whatever, you can praise him, but he doesn't even call him by name. He doesn't even call him Goliath. He just says, don't lose heart on account of this Philistine. Because his eyes were focused on that light. And sometimes in our lives, maybe we just see a little bit of light. I mean, maybe it's just a tiny bit of light. But it's up to us to focus on the light and not the darkest valleys. Um, when one of our girls was like nine months old, she all of a sudden just struggled sleeping. She'd always been such a great sleeper. And a uh, few nights go by and she's still struggling to sleep. And so one night I told Morgan, I said, why don't you go ahead and go out of the room and I'll just stay in here and we'll just see from her perspective what exactly is happening and she shuts the door, and you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. It was completely dark. We had put some blackout curtains, and we put this thing under the door so that she would sleep in later in the day. And that environment sounds really good to me for sleeping. I mean, that, that gave me, you know, a lot of sleep there. But for her, that was very overwhelming to her. So when we'd shut the door and it would be pitch black, she would start to cry. Well, I decided that I would just take that thing at the bottom of the door off so that there'd just be a little bit of light from the hallway coming in. 
And when I left the room, I look at the monitor, and she's quiet as can be, and she's just staring at the bottom of that doorway. She's just staring at that little bit of light. And she stares at it, and she stares at it, and she stares at it, until finally she just drifts off to sleep. And the same thing happened the next night, the next night, the next night. And she didn't cry anymore because she was focused on the light. And I think that's so important for us to realize that when we are in the darkest valley, we focus not on the darkest valley, but on the for you are with me. See, the room never goes completely dark when the Lord is our shepherd. No matter how much or how little light we can see, we have got to focus on that little bit of light in the dark valley. And I think we live in a culture today that really praises the dark valley often. Right? I mean, all the time you, you see just valley, valley. You don't even have to be in the valley. And the world praises the dark valley. It's worried about possibly being in a dark valley one day. And everything's fine in the moment, but we're worried about that dark valley coming up. And we don't have to live that way. What's so important is that David spends all his time in this psalm. Have you ever noticed this? He spends all his time in the psalm praising the Lord. And the enemy gets zero glory. I mean, he doesn't even name specifically what the problem is or what enemy he's facing because the enemy doesn't get any glory here. God gets glory. And so again, when he fights Goliath, he doesn't even call him by name. He just says, don't lose heart on account of this Philistine. Same concept here, right? He's saying, just like he says here in this psalm, though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. See, he's acknowledging It's not that he's not acknowledging what he's going through. It's just the perspective is right, isn't it? It's praise goes to God. I'll acknowledge what I'm going through. That's fine. But the praise itself goes to the Lord. So when he fights the Philistines, same thing. He says, you come at me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come at you in the name of the Lord. And I love this detail he adds after that. Whom you have defied. Because there's no fear there. Because God is with him. That's where the praise goes. That's that's pivotal because the enemy wants to exacerbate the problem when you're in the valley with fear. Things like you lose your job. Oh, well, now things are really going to go south. I mean, now everything's going to come unraveled. Or that relationship ends and, you know, maybe, maybe you're just not somebody who could be loved. Maybe, maybe the problem is you and it'll never be fixed. Adding all these different things to the table. So when we go through the valley, the important thing is that we don't praise the problems. We've got to praise God in the midst of it. We say things like, though I lost my job, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Though that relationship has ended, I will fear no evil for you are with me. See, protecting his praise was David's game plan in the valley. The problem doesn't get our praise. The enemy doesn't get our praise. And we don't even get our praise. That belongs to the Lord. And notice where David's comfort comes from. It's the shepherd's rod. It's the shepherd's staff. David never praises his own strength to do anything. All of his comfort comes from the Lord's strength. And that's critical. And it's so important, especially for me. Some days I still wake up in the morning and I'm like, I got this fire in my belly. And I'm like, God, I'm ready to punch the devil in the face. Let's go. Hey, if you want to storm hell today, I'm your guy. Let's do it. 
That's my attitude sometimes. I'm ready, like I'm ready to fight. But here's the problem. To put it mildly, sheep aren't really known for their ability to fight. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of your homework assignment. If you can find me a YouTube video where like a sheep's like beating up another animal, I, that's probably very rare. Probably has, you know, a lot of hits on it. Because sheep don't know how to fight. And the older I get, the more I realize how weak I really am. And not only that, but I don't even trust myself to be in the right fight, let alone win that fight anymore. I mean, how often in your life are you just fighting so hard battles that you're not even supposed to fight? All the time. That's why David says, all my comfort comes from the weapons the Lord uses, his rod, his staff. I find comfort knowing God is fighting on my behalf. And by the way, how often is it that God is fighting battles on our behalf that we know nothing about? I mean, we'll never know the answer to that, will we? But part of the shepherd's job was they'd see holes in the ground where they were going to be walking, and, and sometimes those holes were filled with vipers making their home in those holes. And so as they were walking, sometimes they'd come up and they'd strike a sheep. So it was the shepherd's job then to fill those holes with olive oil so that the vipers would slide back down and wouldn't be able to harm the sheep. And you can imagine... <laughs> That the sheep never knew anything about what the shepherd was doing there to protect them. How often, even just this morning, has God protected us in ways we haven't even stopped to think about? How about getting us here safely this morning? He's protecting us in ways we never even imagined. How about how many thoughts do you think God has deflected away from your mind just this morning to protect us? See, our shepherd fights battles on our behalf constantly that we know nothing about. And I just picture him, like, while we're at the table, just, just having this Thanksgiving feast. And he's just, like, deflecting away vicious wolves while we just enjoy this meal that he's prepared for me. And, you know, David, he, man, he was a source that we can really rely on. I mean, he went through some stuff. There's no naiveness, which I don't even know if that's a word, but... Um, he, was, he certainly wasn't naive in these situations. I mean, bears and lions come into his farm. He, he fights Goliath. He, he fights against the Philistines. And in fact, he even has to run from his own king at one point to save his life. He's been through stuff. And yet, he says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And I thought about this, and I think the reason he says this is because over time, you start to think less about what you're going through and more about who is carrying you through. And that's why David doesn't praise the enemy or himself. His praise is reserved for the Lord. He knew dark valleys, but he also knew the light of his sufficient shepherd. And maybe some of you all can relate. I know I can. I wanted to take some time this morning to share with you a little bit more detail about my story. You've heard me reference the, the 2016, the, the panic issue that, that I dealt with, and um, this is only going to be the second time I've actually shared in more detail this story, so I am a little bit nervous about doing that, um, but I think it's important, not because my story is so important, but me telling it is, because in the moment I never thought I would be telling this story 
And so every time that I do tell this story, God gets glory and the enemy gets humiliated just a little bit more. But it was um, May 23rd, 2016, I just got done playing basketball at Buffalo Ridge and I noticed after like 20 minutes later after playing, my heart was still racing and it wouldn't stop racing, so it induced uh, in me my very first panic episode. I had never experienced anything like it, but I just went into full-blown panic, and it didn't really stop until late that evening. Um, I woke up the next morning, had another panic episode right away, had more throughout the next day, uh, the next day, the next day, the next day. Before I know it, I am either in a constant state of panic, or I am fighting not to get into a state of panic. Uh, This went on for a while. About two weeks in, I looked at Morgan and I said, look, this thing has gotten so bad that I fully believe I'm either going to die because my body can't handle this anymore, or I'm going to go insane because my mind cannot handle this either. And she said, well, are you going to go talk to somebody about it? And I said, no. And that's when I realized how big of a hold my pride really had over me. I would have rather died than let someone know what I was dealing with. And I just started to help plant a church, and I thought, no one can see me go through something like this. I've got to be strong, and I've got to be the example here. And it turns out that pride was actually ruining my life. It it also turns out, by the way, that it was a terrible approach to church leadership. A pastor ought to lead with humility, transparency, and the reality not putting on a perception and hiding his problems. But that's another topic for another time. So the enemy starts to really work on me at this time. I mean, I'm, through this panic, all these other things come into play. You know, I start doubting the gospel. I start feeling condemned. I even read the Bible and think I'm more condemned. I mean, I'm starting to think things like, sure, Jesus died for me, but I can't seem to get it together, so he's got to be regretting that decision. And all the while, I still just keep asking God, God, take it all away. I absolutely can't handle it. I'm on my face just begging. This is killing me. I can't do it. I just can't do it anymore. And he doesn't. And I would later realize that his answer of no was the very best thing that ever happened in my life. I'll explain that more in just a minute. But I'm just struggling, man. I can't even speak on stage at our new church plant. I walked off the stage multiple times very awkwardly before finally just putting somebody else in my role. I'm canceling meetings and plans with friends left and right because I can't even hold a sentence together without panicking. I'm calling into work because I can't do my job, but my pride still isn't letting me tell anyone why. So now I'm running the risk of losing my job. And everything just starts to cave in on me. I'm telling Morgan, I I just want to get away from myself for just one minute. I mean, the pain is around the clock, and I just need some relief away from myself just for a minute. And suicidal thoughts are not far behind. And about two months in, Morgan begs me, please, you just got to talk to somebody. It doesn't even have to be a therapist initially, just... Just at least talk to somebody that you trust. And I finally do, and I go have a few conversations with close friends, and nothing really changes with the panic, but it sure was good for me to just do that because it broke some of the pride down, and it made me realize it's okay to tell people you don't have it all together. 
A couple weeks later, something happened that was really just amazing. There are moments in your life where you know for sure that God's hand was all over it. Morgan used to clean the building at our former church, and she'd listen to podcasts while she cleans. Well, she had this message pop up on her podcast app that really made no sense. It was a message from Louis Giglio, who Morgan did not subscribe to and never did listen to his messages. It was a message that was years old, titled, When Darkness Falls. And it was Louis telling his story of dealing with panic. And I had no idea other people dealt with this kind of stuff let alone a pastor who came out the other side of it all. And he said in this message, he said, yeah, you know, it it felt like for months that every single moment of my life was just clouds, clouds, clouds. But I continued to praise in those clouds. And then one day there was one small moment of sun and I just stayed there and I just fixated on that moment while I continued to praise. And he said, you just got to praise and then cling to that moment of sun when it comes. And then for me, not long after that, my moment of sun came. I was listening to a song called Broken Vessels where she says, I can see the love in your eyes. And for the first time in months, I saw it. I saw the love in his eyes as if he were saying, Dallas, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm here with you. I'm always going to be with you. I never left, and I'll always be here. And for the next few weeks, I began to believe more and more in this reality of him being with me, not, even though he wasn't taking away the pain. It started to feel like cloud, 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 sun, and then more and more sun thrown in. And then one day, the dam broke on the whole thing. I was sitting at my desk at school, I was working, and I had another panic episode, but this time it was very different. I was hit with the reality that God was right there with me in it, not telling me to figure it out, but that He experienced it with me, and that His authority was right there above my panic episode. And in that moment, I realized that everything I could have ever hoped to be true was actually true. God was with me, and he truly was above and beyond what I was facing. I had peace in the midst of panic. As weird as that may sound, that's what happened. God's authority stayed with me in the moment of my panic. It was like he was saying, Dallas, I was here before it started. I'm here while it's happening, and I'll still be here once it's over. And what he did for me that day, I believe, is the very best thing he could do for anyone. Far better than if he had just taken it away when I asked. Because here's the thing. I know how the hierarchy goes now. If panic comes back, and I pray that it doesn't, but if it does, I no longer have to fear it because I saw my panic side by side with God, and I know who should get the glory. If he had taken it away when I asked, I would have always had to wonder, what if? I mean, what if this thing comes back and now I never have to wonder. I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I can fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. He prepared a table for me in the midst of my panic. And one day he would even take my panic away, but it almost didn't even matter anymore because there was a table prepared for me in the presence of my biggest enemy. And I think that's what David means here, that there's still a table in the darkest valley. It's still there no matter what. God is and will always be the hero of my story. 
God restored my soul. God prepared a table for me. God led me where I needed to go. Man, panic chewed me up and spit me out. My ways simply just didn't get it done. He rescued me. He is the good shepherd. And now I can walk through the darkest valley and fear no evil because my shepherd is guiding me. And you should know that my story is not unique. You will face things like this if you haven't already. And you must rebuke that spirit of fear and hopelessness immediately. You must rebuke the thought that it is completely dark because if the Lord is our shepherd, there will always be light. And if we focus on that light, we will be guided where we need to go. Y'all, I was paralyzed by panic. And now today I proclaim the Prince of Peace because our shepherd is powerful. It's not anything that I did. It is our shepherd who is powerful. And maybe you're here today and you think that things are just completely dark. It's not. It's not. And I I don't mean to diminish what you're going through. I just mean to lift up our Savior who is more powerful. And so as you walk through the darkest valley, we can fear no evil because he is with us. There is always hope. There is always hope in the darkest valley. And you are not too far gone for God to do wonders in your life. John 16, says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And then John 1, 5 says this, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So here this morning, my encouragement is protect your praise. Don't praise the enemy. Don't praise the problem. Don't praise yourself. Praise the Lord. And through that praise, we can confidently walk through the darkest valley and we can fear no evil because he is with us. Now this morning, if you need to respond by coming to the altar, do that. If you need somebody to pray with, I'd love to pray with you as well. I'd love to just take a moment and just pray and lift up the name of Jesus. Father, we're so thankful. We're just so thankful for who you are. I mean, I just, man, I just reflect back and there's no other answer except for you are good. There's no other answer except darkness cannot overcome the light. Father, just a little bit of belief in this room here this morning that that's the reality. I I just pray for that. I just pray for that little bit of belief, that little bit of hope. Just inject it into our hearts, especially those who are weary. Man, there's people in here who are tired. There's people in here who are dealing with stuff. And man, I I just pray that like, yes, acknowledge those things and stuff, but, but, we, but we praise you. Make us a people of praise of your name because it's such a good name. And we're so thankful for who you are. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen.